about time turners. I was um, there was a thing on the Chive about plot holes. You ever yeah. go on the Chive? Every once in a while, yeah. Yeah. So the thing about it was like movie plot holes you'll never be able to unsee, and one of them was a picture of Albus douchebag cap, and it says, "I'm sorry, Harry. Absolutely no spell will bring your parents back to dead." Back from the dead. Oh. However, we do have this time turner so we can bring back a fucking buck beak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's so bad. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> no, right? Poor Harry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's I think so I just want to like start the podcast with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Oh man. Okay. Um awesome. So uh start in uh three, two, one. Hey guys, it's Ken. Um episode five this week we're gonna be doing something a little bit differently. Um so we'll get jump we'll jump into that pretty shortly. Uh how's it going, Dan? Hey, it's good. G- going good. How about you, Ken? Uh great. Uh I actually got a new car the other day, so uh things are going pretty good right now. Uh, what you driving? Uh, I got a Subaru Outback. It's uh, blue. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty fun drive actually. It's it's very it's actually very quiet, which is weird. My last yeah. car was uh, was not designed to uh, be quiet, um, which was good because it, it had a nice engine in it, um, mm-hmm. and you would love to hear it go vroom, but uh, it's weird not to hear anything while I'm driving right now. Yeah, there's probably not even any shift noises or anything like that, is there? No, there's there's not. It's it's really weird, and it's also weird going back to automatic transmission. It's it's just I'm surprised at how much I have to like not relearn, but just like reacclimate to it. It's 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 interesting. You know, after driving stick myself for seven eight years, uh, and be and relinquishing ourselves down to just one car, Jess's car, which is automatic. I always pull up the e-brake, and she used to fight me not to. She's like, "You don't have to pull up the e-brake wherever you go." But now she just knows that I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, for this one, like it's got an uh, electric parking brake, so mm-hmm. it's really weird. To, like I don't even have the e-brake I can pull up, but fortunately it has the uh, center uh, shift control, so I can just rest my hand on that. So at least I have some normalcy for me. There you go. <clears throat> All right. Well. Um, <clears throat> I guess we'll start out with, uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and start out with actually what we're nerding out on this week. So, uh, Dan, what have you been nerding out on? All right, Ken. Well, um, I know I've said this before, but Daredevil from Netflix. I had to take a break from that show due to final exams slash um, being with Remy a lot. It's a pretty dark show, so it's not really something you want, you know, nine months old, nine month olds to see. Um, and other slew of reasons, but I was finally able to get back into Daredevil, and I feel like I left it at just the perfect time because the episode that I jumped back in on in Daredevil was one about, it kind of gave Wilson Fisk's backstory from his abusive father to how he, uh, spoiler alert, how he killed his father, Um, and kind of just his motivation for doing the things that he does and the way that they tied everything together for Wilson Fisk in that episode, honestly, one of the best episodes of television I have seen, period. And now that, uh, now that Daredevil is, now that I'm getting closer to the, to the, to ending the first season of Daredevil, it's becoming more and more addicting with each watch. 
And so I'm nerding back, nerding out on that again. So I'm happy to be back on Daredevil and pretty excited to see what else they have in store. And also, uh, I mentioned last week how I've been nerding out on Invasion Hulu because that's a little more kid friendly. And that when I was watching Invader Zim, I was reminded that my brother a couple weeks ago or a couple a couple years ago for my birthday uh, gave me. A, a set of uh, books written by Ro- this guy named Roman Dirge, who is a friend of Jonan Vasquez, who created Invader Zim. And he has these, these graphic novels called Lenore, the Cute Little Dead Girl, about a girl named Lenore who dies and goes to Heck. Yes, it's called Heck. And <laughs> she escapes Heck because it smells like Fritos. And so the devil is tasked with bringing Lenore back to Heck, so he sends... Uh, some interesting characters after her to which she brutally kills and outsmarts. And there's even uh, a character named Mr. Gosh who has a crush on Lenore. And every time he tries to get close to Lenore, she ends up brutally murdering him. And it's a fantastic comic book series. It's super hilarious. There's lines in there such as, uh, off panel, you see uh, the caption of somebody screaming. So you see, you read the words that somebody's screaming, and then my, Mr. Gosh says, Wow, Lenore, that sounds like a thousand dying kittens. And Lenore, without skipping a beat, says, No, that sounds like something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yep. So, highly recommend you pick that up if uh, you get a chance. I, I will be adding that to my, my, my list of things to read this summer. Uh, Definitely. That is the one thing I miss about school is I don't have a summer break anymore, so I can't like say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to do like twenty thousand things during the summer." It's like I've got to find like little crevices of my life to to read and to do other things in. But the great thing is, is I don't have homework anymore and exams, so you know, <laughs> there I guess you go. That's an advantage there. Um, well, I've actually been uh, so this week we for the last like month I would say since uh, Game of Thrones started back. We've been uh, planning out doing a uh, game of Dungeons and Dragons amongst my friends, and this week we finally did uh, game one, or not game one, but uh, part one of the story, and it's uh, uh, and it's it's actually been really awesome. I'm uh, dungeon mastering the game, and the game is actually the story is actually called the Lost Minds of Fendelin. Uh, I won't go into anything about it. There are plenty of podcasts, so if you want, if you want to be spoiled, you can go out there and find them. It'll probably do them a lot better than I will, um, justice wise. But it's been really fun. It's always it's 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 a fun uh, experience of having this laid out plan of like this is where the story is going to go, and everybody's going to do this X Y and Z, and then everybody flips the table and they end up doing like P Q and R and. You have to think on the fly to change. Oh well, you know you have you were going to go there, but now you're going to this cave instead, and this is where all the hilarity and everything ensues. So, fortunately, the first game I was not like given too many uh, wild cards, but uh, I got a few, and uh, we still got the story going, and it's it's been a pretty fun experience. Um, I did record it, so I'm going to end up publishing that one as well. But I think I'm going to wait until we actually complete the story before I go out and publish the. Uh, publish that series. Hmm. Sounds cool. Yeah. Um, so that's what we nerded out on this week. So up next, we're going to actually talk about the news. Um, just some weird nerd news that we learned this week. Since we're not doing a, a movie review or anything like that, we're going to change it up a little bit and talk about some things that we learned about and that we found interesting. Um, 
So, Dan, the first thing that you had was the Suicide Squad and Batman. Uh, uh, the Batman cameo in Suicide Squad. I was wondering, uh, you said you had a, a potential uh, theory about that? Yes, and this is something that could actually uh, distinguish the DC Universe from the Marvel Universe. And I think it would be so cool. For, for those of you that haven't seen it, you should Google it and check it out. <clears throat> but the, uh, there's been some leaked set videos, you know, people that are on set and they post these videos to Instagram, of a chase between the Joker's getaway car and the Batmobile. So that lends itself to a couple of different things that can be inferred. Uh, it, mainly since the video showed that the Batmobile is in fact chasing the Joker car that there's a high probability that Batman will be in the Suicide Squad, which I can't blame Zack Snyder for wanting to put in, or Warner Brothers for putting in uh, the Batman into the Suicide Squad, seeing as how these are relatively unknown uh, characters and they, they, then they want to make this a good sell. But however, the direction that I'm thinking Warner Brothers is probably going to go with this is that it will be the basic comic book formula that at the end of the movie, Batman's going to show up and he's not necessarily going to um, save the day, but at least he'll stop the Joker and Harley Quinn and everybody else from doing what they're doing. And that's the direction that I'm thinking that they're going. But, however, what I think would be the coolest is if the movie ends with a Suicide Squad out, out, outing Batman. And however however that goes, whether it's uh, the cool thing would be that the that car chase with Batman and, and Joker is after pretty much after Batman probably <coughs> subdued the rest of the Suicide Squad, he's going after Joker and Harley Quinn, and Joker's able through a set of traps, he out, actually outsmarts Batman, and I don't know how long their relationship will be going back and forth uh, in this universe, but it would be the ultimate just to see at the end of the movie these anti-heroes, the Suicide Squad, coming up to Batman saying, you know, better luck next time, Bats, and driving off into the sunset. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I really want to, I, I know we covered it in a previous podcast, I really want uh, Batman vs. Superman to be a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the introduction of, or the cameo appearance of Batman in Suicide Squad might hopefully lead that I don't know how they're going to be linked necessarily, but I hope there's some tie-in that will make me want to enjoy Batman versus Superman a little bit more. Oh yeah, um, and I also like. I, I really hope that we're going to have a situation where, you know, maybe it was just not the most stellar starting. Uh, most of this wasn't the most stellar uh, debut trailer for Batman versus Superman, and we're going to get something that doesn't spoil too much, but a. Uh, Leaves me a bit more excited about the movie after watching it. Yeah, kind of like what Fantastic Four did. Yeah, they they really stepped up. Fantastic Four did an amazing job. I actually cannot wait to see that movie. Um, <laughs> super excited <laughs> well, about that. That makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing, uh, one of the other stories was uh, Fox is remaking the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I don't know if you ever saw that movie back in the oh, early two yeah. thousands with uh, Sean Connery and 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 company. Uh, yep. It looks like some of this is probably a response to the Avengers and having that that team of of heroes save the world or you know prevent somebody from destroying the world type of thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I'm really excited for this. I, I I remember watching the original movie that came out back in the 2000s. I enjoyed the movie. I was apparently in a minority of people who yeah, uh, enjoyed too. the movie. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean. 
I, I it wish it was bad. No, it wasn't. And I wish there was a sequel to it, but there wasn't because mm-hmm. it was not good enough. I guess it didn't succeed as it did not ex- exceed the expectations that the studio had. But I'm glad that they're they're look, looking back at it and seeing what they can do with it now. Yeah, <clears throat> totally. And I don't know. You had? Did you ever have Mister uh, Alford in for your senior English class at Northern? I did not. Coach Alford, he uh, he actually we read the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in his class. Oh, that's awesome! That's, yeah, uh, that's that's a. I I kind of I want to say that sounds better than my uh, my senior English year, but I also had a. Uh, I'm blanking on her name right now. Miss um, Moore, I had Miss Moore. Miss Moore, yeah. Who was like the coolest per like coolest English teacher? Um, I definitely had some struggles in that class when it first started, but. Uh, I, I love that class too. So, you know what's funny? I heard because that was AP English, I think Miss yeah. Moore was. Yeah. And uh, and the reason why I decided to go with Coach Alford is because my brother had Coach Al- Coach Alford, and he said like the extra credit on the test would be like which X Man has claws that come out of his hand. <laughs> I'm gonna pass this class with flying colors, so I didn't take AP English for that reason. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty good reason, especially your senior year. You don't want to have to worry about oh I'm, I might fail this class. Uh, right. <laughs> um but yeah, I I I definitely uh that's awesome. I, I, I can't wait for that remake to happen. I honestly wish it was a continuation of the original story, but it's also been at this point almost fifteen years, so I know that they can't do that. Um mm-hmm. and it makes sense. Uh but uh I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Um the next story that we have is uh another remake. It's a remake of a much older story. Uh, many of you are probably aware of a story called Johnny Quest, which was mm. uh, from a 60s cartoon. It was Hannah Barbera cartoon. Um, I actually have a... Uh, there's a There was a comic book that went with the, uh, the story as well that came out in the 60s. I actually have a frame of the uh, announcement poster for that in my office, which is... Uh, I think should probably tell you how much I loved that series as a kid. When mm-hmm. I first read the article, I was like, no, just no. Please don't do that, like to me. But you know, I think it could be interesting as long as they don't go uh, Jason Bourne style with Johnny Quest. I think it should be fine. If they made it like a series, like a mix between Indiana Jones and I don't know uh, Indiana Jones, I think it would be <laughs> all right. Yeah, like you a, ever watch the? Oh, go for you it. ever watch the nineties reboot where they actually like had three D animation in it? Yeah, I actually I enjoyed that. It wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely was more PC than the uh, than the '60s uh, edition of Johnny Quest, especially since uh, at at some point we realized, oh, maybe uh, stereotyping Haji isn't the best thing <laughs> best thing to do. Um, and as a kid, I didn't understand why Haji didn't have his magical powers anymore. And now I realize, oh, it's because that's really insensitive to say that <laughs> these people, uh, say Indians, all have uh, magical powers. <laughs> to, to make things happen, so I, I, it took me a couple of years to realize why that happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. I, what, I, like I said, it wasn't as enjoyable as the '60s uh, cartoon, and I really love the animation style of the the '60s cartoon. Um, so I think that's probably another reason why that's still mm-hmm. my my go-to. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it would be the ultimate if the same day that. Johnny Quest came out that um, they 
the uh, a live action Venture Brothers came out. <laughs> that that would be my money would probably be on Venture Brothers at that point. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I would rather watch a live-action Venture Brothers. <laughs> and that's what most of the comments I've been reading is like, I'd rather have the live-action Venture Brothers. And I think that makes sense considering Venture Brothers is, is much much more in the... Uh, in the uh, pol- uh, Not the poltergeist, well. <laughs> the zeitgeist. <laughs> it's, much more in the, it's in the poltergeist, yeah. Definitely. Uh, totally. <laughs> Alright, and uh, Dan, I think you had one more story, right? I do, I do. So um, I was reading this uh, yesterday, actually, uh, about Cracked, and I want to give credit to wherever credits due. It was written. This article was written by David Christopher Bell for Cracked, and the the title was called Five Reasons It's Impossible to Recreate Marvel's Movie Success." And this is something we'll likely talk about uh, in the future, you and I can, but it talks about how all these movie studios from Disney, I mean, Disney owns Marvel, but Disney's trying to get a shared universe with Star Wars. Um, they're, they're, uh, Universal's trying to make a shared universe with all their monster movies, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, all that. And he's saying how these things are, are doomed to fail. So one expert that had me laughing and almost in tears uh, was when, when, was when uh, Christopher Bell says this. He says, but love it or hate it, the biggest problem with DC's gloomy Justice League universe isn't the strong thematic tone. It's that no single person is in charge of it. By building on Zack Snyder's Silent Hill cutscene si- cut directing style, the studio has locked themselves into an even tighter creative box than Marvel's, which is no doubt why they've already burned through five different writers attempting to give Wonder Woman and her invisible jet and bring Tiara their own movie after Dower Billionaire versus Sourpuss Demigod enter the Frown Brigade. <laughs> enter the Frown Brigade. <laughs> I love that. That that sounds exactly how I feel about the uh, Batman versus Superman trailers. Like, well, actually, it's for another reason. It's because I I was sad after it, not because it was like, you know, all gloomy. <laughs> I mean, in the in the first Man of Steel movie, Superman is literally drowning in skulls. I mean, I, I, I realize I lean on this every time we talk about Man of Steel, but I'm just going to point out that Kevin Costner walked into a tornado. <laughs> no, no, Clark, they can't know my secret, your that secret. Makes no sense. Because the dog survived, didn't it? I feel like the dog survived. <laughs> Zack Snyder says... Well, we need to have another death to make this even gloomier. But if we have the dog die, people will actually kill themselves. Yes. (laughs) Like, I I just... Kevin Costner walked into a tornado. (laughs) You you don't walk back from that. Literally, you don't walk back from that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even mean to say it it like that. Okay. All right. I need to calm down. Okay. All right. So, uh, we've got that out of the way. (laughs) Um, so like I said earlier, we, we don't have a movie to review today, but we definitely wanted to, uh, you know, hang out and uh, record a podcast and, and nerd out together. So I'm stealing yet another idea from sound opinions. It's a, uh, it's an audio show or a music show on NPR. Um, they have something called Desert Island Jukebox. Jukebox. And the idea is that you get to take, you know, you get to play, like, 
a, a band or a song or an album or something that you want to take with you to a desert island in the event that you know you're going to be left alone, castaway style with just Wilson, the uh, the volleyball, and and yourself and your thoughts. So Dan, uh, today today's episode that's something that you know I, I I spoke to you about doing, and you said that was you said you were interested in it. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Uh, so the topic. You encounter an alien race. They offer to take you away for three months so they can learn about you. Aside from your family and friends, what three nerdy things, TV shows, movies, books, comics, music, whatever, uh, would you take with you? And uh, why don't you start off with your first one, and we'll just alternate back and forth. Sounds good, man. So first and foremost, I'd bring Harry Potter, the entire book series, because that pretty much among other things, sums up my childhood uh, because I got into, when I was 11 when I read Harry Potter for the first time, and the seventh book came out when I was 19. So that's a pretty significant chunk of my life. And so a huge Harry Potter fan. Also, I think that aliens have a thing or two to learn about uh, Harry Potter. I think I'd be doing them a huge favor. And, (laughs) you know, that would give them an incentive to not kill me because I tell them, hey... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, I have all the movies on Blu-ray, so if you want, we can kick it and you, we can watch the Blu-rays together. And then, but you can't kill me afterwards. That's the deal. <laughs> I like how you assume that the aliens are like evil, like gonna kill you aliens. I, I thought that they were nice, friendly people. They were just like, "Hey, we're gonna take you away for three months. Learn about you. You'll learn about us. We'll trade, you know, recipes, and uh, we'll be good to go. Like they're gonna bring you back home and everything." If there's one thing I've learned about aliens, if they're wearing an apron that says how to serve man, don't trust them. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. <laughs> Thank you. What was that? That was uh, Outer Limits, right? Uh, twi- yeah. No, Twilight Zone. Okay. And then uh, Bender on Futurama was wearing an apron during a cookout. <laughs> nice. Um, so, again, this is a list of three. And the, I, I went with uh, – this one by far isn't like the – number one overall nerdy thing that I need. Um, but I know that I, I need music to live, to survive. And uh, I figured what I would take with me is The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. It's the album by David Bowie. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite albums of all time. And it's a little sci-fi. It's, uh, I mean, David Bowie like became Ziggy Stardust for this album. He became an alien, essentially. And... You know why not? Why not take an alien to meet a new alien? You know, oh, yeah. uh, so uh, that's that's my number one there. I, I don't really have. Uh, I, I don't really know how to describe it because for me, music is is an emotional experience, and I it's like all internal, and it makes me feel happy. And I I love the story of Ziggy Stardust, like the the album itself. Um, and it was in a time where like actually still like even now, music doesn't always have a one coherent story in an album. And I think Ziggy Stardust does that very well. Mm, I like that. Excuse me. All right, man. So that's uh, that's my uh, first one that I probably won't go too in-depth on. But uh, what about your second one? Second one, I would have to do Breaking Bad because... Good choice, good choice. Breaking Bad... I noticed that, you, like the the timeline mentions, we're we're away with we're hanging out with aliens for three months. It took me about three months to get through the entire Breaking Bad series, and that's something that is just an amazing piece of of uh, 
artwork right there, that entire series from start to finish. I was engaged from episode one, which it takes, it's hard for a show to really draw me in like that. And especially for each consecutive episode to keep me uh, glued, if you will, to that episode where I'm not, you know, checking my Facebook or, uh, you know, doing this and that and the other thing or things that take my attention away from the show. Breaking Bad, I was always paying attention to the show. I always made sure I had no outside distractions. And so that is definitely a show that I think the aliens would give me props for, for showing them. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I never joined the bandwagon of Breaking Bad. I did pop in every once in a while. Uh, I had friends that were like, yeah, the show's really good. And that is one of the things is... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, one of the things I can say about the show is, like, even from a viewer who would jump in every once in a while, I was always, I always had, it held my attention very well. I mm-hmm. just, like, I even watched the finale, which I know most people are like, you watch the finale without watching the series, what's your problem? <laughs> but, uh, first of all, I like to see how things end. I mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess it's, uh, it's some weird curiosity that I have, but, uh, I guess that's why I don't have problems with spoilers, but uh, I, I enjoyed the finale. Like I had really no idea what was going on in the story at that point, but I just like to see it as a standalone piece of art. It was still really good. Um, so yeah, I even though it's not on my list, I, I definitely respect that that choice because it's 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 a great like series. It's a great singular piece of art that is really hard to do, especially mm-hmm. in television. Mm -hmm. television has the thing where it wants to go on and on and on and breaking bad like did five seasons and it was done Mm -hmm. and like they could have kept going on because they had the numbers for it they could have gone on for 10 years if they wanted but they said no Mm -hmm. we're done with the story we're gonna move on gotta leave them wanting more yeah and i guess that's how we got better call Saul too because you know better call Saul is a is a new series on amc actually it's already finished its first season um which Mm -hmm. I I, it, I watched a couple episodes of that. It was interesting, and I I was like intrigued by it. But I, it never pulled me in the way that like even just like a here and there episode of Breaking Bad would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a different tone of it all because uh, you know Saul's a really sarcastic. Uh, you know he's a he's a criminal. He's a crook, and yeah. he's helping out other crooks. And so it's uh, a very different. Uh, tone and, and feel to the show but yeah i've seen a couple episodes of uh, better call saul and and uh, i think it's funny for what it is and and uh it's definitely a good uh precursor if, if you will to breaking bad so it's not that bad yeah it's not that bad um so i guess keeping on the theme of tv series i can't think of any like more seminal piece of sci-fi than star trek the original series mm-hmm. um and it came out during a time where things were dark. Like, we were in the Cold War with... Or the United States was in the Cold War with Russia. And, you know, people thought, oh, well, the, you know, we could be nuked at any moment. And and there were a lot of racial tension. There was actually... Things seemed tense today. Things were much more tense back in the 60s um, in regards to race relations. And... Star Trek was a show that said that, you know, okay, well, we're going to work through these things. It's going to be better. There's hope, and you have to hold out for that hope. And I think that came at a really important time. I mean, for the people who followed the show and just for society in general, I think it 
it showed that despite the darkest, you know, time for United States society, um, there was still hope. And I think that's, uh, I think that's really important to, to have for myself. And also if I'm going to show something to an alien race, I feel like that would be something that I would want to show is like, you know, we are a hopeful we species. We do look forward. We do think about, you know, things going in the future and, you know, we might be wrong about some of the technology and, you know, might be off by a couple hundred years, like, like, uh, communicators and stuff. But, uh, it's still, uh, it's still hopeful and we're still forward thinking. Very much so. And, you know, uh, along with those, uh, <clears throat> the racial tensions that you were mentioning, I believe it was, uh, the, <clears throat> the actress who played Uhura, she was having her doubts about actually playing Uhura uh, because of all the, uh, the tensions and this and that, but I believe it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who told her to that she needs to take the, take up the role of Uhura, Uhuru, um, for uh, because it would it would benefit uh, it would be a big benefit to the, not only just the show but to uh, media going forward. So I thought that was pretty admirable of that of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to do that. Yeah, the uh, the story for that is like she went to. Uh uh, Gene Roddenberry one day, excuse me, <clears throat> she went to Gene Roddenberry after, I think, like, season one, and was like, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm going to, uh, leave the show, and he was like, I, I want you to take a few th- days and feel, uh, think about that, and she did, she went to a party, and, uh, she actually ran into Dr. King, and she told her, she, she told him, uh, that she was thinking about leaving, and he's like, "I, you, you can't do that. You are a beacon of hope for everyone. Uh, you're a beacon of hope for my children. You are, you know, one of the like the at that time the only black woman on TV who was not a maid of some type. And you know, twenty years later, you have Whoopi Goldberg who wants to go on Star Trek. Whoopi Goldberg, who at the, like in the eighties was a big comedian, a big movie star." Um, wanted to go on Star Trek as an homage to Nichelle Nichols' uh, Uhura at the time because she she inspired... Nichelle Nichols inspired Whoopi Goldberg to go into stand-up and to go into acting and to become the person that she is. Um, so it's, it's interesting how... It's weird how one character in a TV show can, can cause a ripple for everything. And, you know, the thing is, like, now you have... TV shows that are, are led by by strong black women, like the example that Aurora was back in the back in the sixties. So mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's definitely a mark of progress, and it was great a mark of inspiration on the part of Nichelle Nichols and the the cast of, or the the writing cast of uh, Star Trek: The Original Series. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right. Well, number three for me. Uh, as to things that I would take with me, I would have to do Batman Arkham Knight for the PlayStation 4 or it, or even the entire Arkham series as a whole because I think that the Arkham series is the pinnacle of excellent video gaming. <clears throat> it's It really defined a lot of... And it, it, well, it defined and introduced a lot of techniques that video games to this day employ the the streamlined combat the open world um there there were examples of this before but i think the arkham series really uh highlighted those and showed their true potential and showed i mean and it all overall it's just a really beautiful series 
visually, audio uh, with with its sound, uh, the gameplay, everything is streamlined to and it's and it's tuned to just the peak of perfection for each video game system that it's on. Um, Arkham Arkham Asylum, the original one, to this day is still my favorite of the series because to me that is. When you play Arkham Asylum, you are Batman, literally in one of the one of his episodes or comic books. Uh, I really just love the idea of being trapped in jail with in Arkham Asylum of all places, with and every single person in that facility is out to kill you, and you as a Batman, it's you take them down one by one and take out the Joker. And I just the 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 music, the tone. It's a creepy video game. You're dealing with Scarecrow. You're dealing with Killer Croc. Uh, you're dealing with a prison with insane asylums with morgues. I mean, it's there. There are moments in that game that compare to Silent Hill, in my in my opinion. And so Arkham City, when that came out, Arkham City was it was a fantastic follow up, but it didn't really capture the suspense and the chills that Arkham Asylum gave me. And of course, Arkham Origins was a great game in itself, but it was really more just you know, kind of like a holdover to till we get to Arkham Knight. I'm really excited to see what Arkham Knight's about. Really excited to drive the Batmobile and everything that I've seen about this game. I can just I, I can tell that Rocksteady and all the developers have just put their heart and soul into this game, and so I just I can't wait. I'm I already have my game on pre-order, so hopefully the aliens won't get me before then, and uh, so that we can travel space and play this movie or play this video game <laughs> i think it's interesting that you say like play this movie i knew it was a slip up but i i've only actually played arkham city and i actually really enjoyed the game um mm-hmm. with the uh spoiler alert but with the uh with the bit where batman is actually drugged and you're fighting through that mm-hmm. i i really enjoyed the mechanics of the game at that point and, and how the environment changed and how crazy things got in that game mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it honestly felt like I was playing a movie. Like, yeah. it was, the script was well thought out. The the characters, the voice actors were, like, just on point, like, amazing. I, uh, I definitely, I, that's one of my, my top ten video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now the funny thing is, speaking of top ten video games, like, I actually did not choose any video games for my list. Yeah. I, uh... <clears throat> I didn't even think about it when I was uh, when I was like coming up with ideas and, and talking to you about it. So I, I feel pretty bad about that because there are, there are quite a few games that I would add. However, I there is a piece of media like or a book or a series that I would definitely have to take with me, and that is when you're talking about being abducted by aliens or even just like hitching a ride with aliens. There's only one book that comes to mind, and for <laughs> me, that is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Don't panic. Don't panic. It's written on the front of the book. It's written on the front of the guide. Remember, don't panic. And I feel like if I'm going to be taken away for three months by a group of aliens, I'd want to have a book at some point that just like screams at me, don't panic. <laughs> um, now, I would take the series if I could, but if I, only, if I could only take one book, it would be The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And it's because that story is just... It, it's not even that it's... It's good sci-fi. It's just great humor. Like, it's quintessential uh, dry British humor at, mm-hmm. at its best. And it just, it makes, it it takes, like, it's weird. It takes the the ideals uh, of Star Trek and, like, 
oh, space travel, space travel is going to be fun and amazing, and and uh, it's it's going to be like glitz and glamour. And it takes all of that, and it's like, nope, it's what you know already. Space travel is going to be boring. It's going to be yeah, they're going to be like awesome, like crazy bets on it. But when it comes down to it, you're going to have to hit your ride. You're going to have mm-hmm. to you're going to have to get into space and 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 fight and and make sure you have your towel with you. It's it's not it's not all that that Star Trek crap as uh, another favorite TV series used to call it, um, and and Douglas Adams is just an amazing writer. He uh the, he got the idea while he was like backpacking in Europe. Uh, he was following a guide like hitchhiking across Europe or something like that, or the Hitchhiker's Guide to Europe, and he was he was in a field apparently. Um, he may or may not have been influenced by a. Uh, by drugs, as he tells the story, or told the story, um, and uh, he's just looking up at the stars and is like, you know, I could write a book, and it actually starts off him writing a radio series um, called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which became a book, which became a TV series, which became a movie uh, with uh, with Zoe Deschanel and, and uh, Mostaf, and I'm forgetting a bunch of great cast of characters, uh, Alan Rickman as as Marvin the ro- robot, um, but Martin Freeman. Yes, Martin Freeman. That's what I was thinking of, um, and I can't even think of who uh, Zaphod was in the movie. Uh, God. Sam Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. Yes, uh, just it was an amazing cast. That the the funny thing is, every incarnation of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has been amazing. The movie series has, the, or the movie, not the movie series, because there was only one movie. Mm-hmm. The movie was great. The TV series was great, which was just a one-off six-episode, like British style, like. Here's what we got. This is the book that we're going to cover. This is what you got. Uh, the TV series was great. The radio series, which I have listened to all of the radio series um, through, has been great. I, I still listen to it probably once or twice a year. Um, that's how much I love it. Uh, the books are great. The audiobooks or just the paper books. Um, even the, uh, the follow-up... Uh, the follow-up uh, book, which was not written by Douglas Adams, but was authorized by his uh, his uh, his widowed wife, or yeah, his widow, um, was amazing in itself too. So it's a great universe to to take along with you, and I would definitely be taking the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with me. You know, <clears throat> there's a lot to be said for um, for the written word, and you know, I definitely you know <clears throat> books are very important, but there's a lot to be said for movies too. And I think that the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy is one of those films where it's absolutely necessary to have a movie made out of it just to capture the entire tone and just deliver the jokes in a way that you can't really, uh, imagine, uh, you know, uh, when you're reading this to yourself. I mean, the thing that comes to mind is, uh, when, um, um, what's the robot's name again? Marvin. Marvin, yeah. When he says, I've calculated the odds of our survival, they're not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, totally. I mean, I just, just seeing these lines delivered, it's hilarious. And just like, and, and subtle, dry British humor is, I, I love that stuff. I soak it all up. I love Monty Python. Um, they have a lot of dry British humor, um, a lot of qu- crazy, wacky humor too. But yeah. um, just, I love the entire uh, irony of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where 
Martin Freeman's house gets bulldo- you know bulldozed over for the way of a of a highway, and he the plans were you know in the courthouse for a, for a year, and he could have seen it. And uh, that was the same story with Earth. You know, the Earth was getting demolished for plans for an intergalactic highway, and the plans were in the in the courthouse for one million years, and they could have seen it all the t- all along. You know, if they wanted to. Um, so I just I really appreciate that kind of stuff. It makes me it just really brings a smile to my face. Yeah, it's a, a quirky sense of humor that it's it's just fantastic. So yeah, and the Hitchhiker's Guide the movie um, is. Like it was actually finished after Douglas Adams passed away. Um, he passed away in two thousand one, but uh, it's one of those pieces of, of media that like he he like he put his stamp on that before he passed away. And it's funny because a lot of fans are like, "That's not the original work that I know or I love." And it's funny because it it really led to a precursor of you know adapted work being completely different and in a world where we had to like become like accustomed that, Oh, the adapted work's going to be different because you know, the book was never like the TV series. It wasn't like the radio series. It wasn't like the movie. Um, and I think that's something that we, for, we take for granted these days because we have like, you know, Avengers where, you know, it's the movie series is, is not anything like the comic book series. And, and we enjoy that, you know? So I think it's a, I think it's an interesting, interesting look at how, Fandom can sometimes poison the well a little bit, and or a lot, um, in the case of Hitchhiker's Guide. Very true. Also, one other thing, Hitchhiker's Guide, like it, the movie. Going back to what your point about the movie, like having, like being, being able to give us those visuals. The way the movie treated the guide itself, it treated it as a tablet device. And I've I've been mm. reading like I, I've always been like. That was that movie came out four or five or uh, four or five years before the iPad came out. Um, actually, no, six years before the iPad came out, um, and it had a tablet mm-hmm. device like that, which we were all like fascinated with it by at that time. But it 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 captured something for me that has I've I've never really been able to find anybody recreate, even though they said they have. And it's just how awesome that guide looked, and like how interactive it was, and how like visually appealing it was, like. Even these days, like it's it's still a really appealing like medium for 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 that uh, for that story. So yeah, totally. that's all I have. Right on. <clears throat> well, I have to agree with you there. I think you got some good choices there, Ken. <laughs> I think you do too, Dan. Um, and I think that's it for this hey, week. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we'll uh, come back next week and uh, have some uh, have a new podcast for you guys. Um, as always, thank you for listening, and uh, if you uh, if you enjoy it, share it and subscribe with everybody, or subscribe and make sure everybody subscribes because we definitely like to know that you're out there. Um, Dan, you have a great weekend, all right? Yeah, you too, man. We'll talk with you later. All right, take care. Bye. All right. Oh no.